We continue our series this morning in the book of Romans. Um, We are in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans. We're going to be looking at chapter 5, verses 13 to 17. And the title of the message is The Parenthesis. The Parenthesis. Because actually, Romans 5, 13 through 17 is a parenthetical thought. I just said that so you knew I could use five-syllable words. It's a parenthesis. And let me read you what goes before and after the parenthesis so we can understand the context of the parenthesis. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, Verse 18, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through the one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord. This section, five verses, verses 13 to 17, is the subject of some of the most diverse commentary I have ever heard, especially in the Messianic movement. And All week long, I've been looking at this, talking to other people about it, looking up commentaries on it, read it about 10 times, and got to the point where I thought that I knew what it had to say for us this morning. And then as I was driving here this morning, the Lord said to me, not only is what you're about to say right, but it's not that complicated. I mean... Paul is writing to an audience in the believing congregation in Rome. This is at the beginnings of this congregation. They are not exactly mature believers yet. He's writing to people who are not the upper educated class. He's writing to fishermen. He's writing to merchants. He's writing to people who tend sheep. He's writing to people who till the ground. He needs to be saying things to them that they can understand. And so why do we make it so hard? And I think in what will be, I hope, a brief, short message, you'll understand the context and you'll also understand the foundation of what he's trying to say here in this parenthesis of explanation. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Now, this is what I've heard people preach on this. Since there was no law between Adam's sin and the law of Moses, there was no sin. Because sin is not imputed if there is no law. 
How could that be? Does that make any sense? And yet I read three commentaries this week that said just that. What we have to understand is that this is a parenthetical thought after verse 12. Just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. You see, and I want you to remember, how many sins did Adam commit? One. He ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How many commands did God give him? One. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What happened after Adam ate, after Eve ate, after mankind fell? What did God do? He cast them out of the garden. Did mankind after that even have a chance to commit the sin that Adam did? No. Yet, the root of sin was still in Adam. Let me remind you of something. Genesis 1, 26. God says, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. After Adam's sin, we read in Genesis 5, verse 3, Adam begot a son in his own likeness and his own image. Do you follow? The image that God wanted for mankind was lost in the garden. And now Adam and every successive generation would pass on the image and likeness of sinful mankind to everyone else so that death would reign. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, 2,500 years. Death reigned. Who was supposed to reign? Mankind. You see, just because it says sin was not imputed because there was no law does not mean that sin did not exist. If you don't believe me, ask Abel. Verse 14, nevertheless, sin reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. They couldn't sin according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam because there was no tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil to eat from. The transgression of Adam, who is a type of him to come. A type. In Adam, all sinned because of one offense. What kind of type was that? In Messiah, all can be made alive because of one act of obedience. A type of him who is to come. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. And here's where it gets even better. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift 
by the grace of God, a grace of the one man, Yeshua HaMashiach, abounded to many. Now, here's a question for you. I just want you to think a minute. Can God's grace be any smaller over here so that his grace would be bigger over here? God's grace is God's grace. So what does it mean his grace abounded? Verse 12. I'm sorry. Verse 13. No, I'll get there in a minute. I'm lost. Somewhere here it says that the law entered so sin might abound. The judgment was because of one sinful act. The grace was because of myriads of sinful acts. His grace abounded. We talked last week about the fact that Adam had one law that he had to keep and he broke it. Could you imagine what the children of Israel were like when they had 613? The chances of breaking them Oh, my goodness. And oh, by the way, they weren't kicked out of the land so they couldn't obey the law. No, the law was continual. And so sin was continual. And the abounding of sin resulted in the abounding of grace. Verse 16. And the gift is not like the one which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense, one offense, resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. Now you know how God's grace abounded to many. Verse 17. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Yeshua HaMashiach. Adam and Eve were to have dominion, were to reign over all of the earth. Because of their one offense, death now reigned. They gave up dominion over all of the earth. That's why we are told that the evil one right now is the Lord of the air and the ruler of the earth. But through the gracious, abounding gift of our Messiah, Yeshua, even because of the many offenses, right? The condemnation is not like the gift because the condemnation resulted in giving up dominion. The gift resulted in gaining dominion back. Those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Yeshua HaMashiach. And by the way, they reign in life because Messiah has now become their life. And so the type that Adam was, the one that was supposed to have dominion, is also even more exploded by the type that Yeshua is the one who does have dominion. And we have dominion with him because he is both in us and we are in him. And it's really not that complicated. Dominion was given up. Dominion is given back by a free gift. Death reigned. 
Life now reigns by a free gift. Mankind is doomed. Mankind is now saved to those who would believe by a free gift. Just as Moses saw in this morning's parasha, it had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with him. And it says, verse 17, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness. So, you're reading through this, and you're going, okay, I've received the gift of righteousness. What is the next question you should ask? What's the gift of righteousness? See, we just kind of assume, don't we? Well, I'm holy now. Oh, really? Anybody have a camera on a wall to see the way I acted this week? Righteousness is not just holiness. We've talked about this before, and it's very important to understand in this section. Righteousness should not be seen in moral terms. Righteousness should be seen in covenantal terms. When we receive the righteousness of God and the gift of righteousness, we now become covenantal members of the family of God. We lost that family membership in the garden. It's given back at the cross for those who would believe because God's grace is abundant. Does that mean, as Scripture asks, that we sin the more so the grace might abound more? May it never be, Paul says. That's not called grace. That's called license. And there are many who practice it. Oh, I'll just sin more because God's grace is big enough. Yes, so is God's justice and his judgment. Amen? Those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Let's take a poll. How many of you think you're reigning in life? How many of you think you're reigning in life? How many of you think you're reigning in life? How many of you think you're reigning in life? Me either. But Scripture says we are. So what does that mean? What does reigning in life mean to a person who feels, like myself often, that I am totally out of control? It means this. There's one who's in control. And his life is in me and my life is in him. You see, if we can get out of our own way, (laughs) you can fill in your own blanks. If we can get out of our own way and let God have his way, then we reign because he reigns. And when he is revealed in our life, Messiah is revealed in our life. Dear ones, the best testimony we can have to a dead and dying world who thinks they have to be in control all the time is to show them that control is a falsehood. To show them that it makes absolutely no sense to think that we know better than God and that we know what to do better than God and that we know how to act better than God and we know what choices to make better than God and we know what to say and what to think and what to do better than God. No, when people see our lives as a surrender to God, then our witness becomes powerful. 
By the way, that's something those of you in the Sharing Yeshua seminar this afternoon should keep in mind today. As you're sharing your witness to somebody, it is not important to show them how much you know. It's important to show them who you know. Amen? For until the law, or until the law was given, the law of Moses, and that is what's clearly referred to here, sin was not in the world. Why? Because sin's not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death still reigned from Adam to Moses. Even without the law of Moses, death still reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who is to come. For those T-crossers and I-dotters and box-checkers who think that they can look at a series of laws and say, I've never broken any one of them, therefore I'm not a sinner, to them I say, death still reigns in you. But the free gift, free gift, free gift. So if you're like me or so many of us, when someone says, here, I just want to give this to you, what's our first response? Why? How much does it cost? Or here's the ones that are holier than thou. Oh, I can't take that gift from you. Let me pay you for it. How much are you going to pay God for the gift of life? Can you even imagine what that gift cost? I can. What did it cost? The death of his son. Can you repay that gift? No. There's only one thing you can do with a free gift of that nature. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. And not only the gift of life, which we call salvation, but the gift of life, which we call living every day. Receive it. What God has for you. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. It says that this is the gospel in which we stand and by which we are saved. In which we stand. In other words, the gospel isn't what happened to you the day you came to faith. The gospel is what happens to you every day you're alive. If we'll just, say it with me, receive what God has for us. And oh, by the way, sometimes what he has for us is not what we want for us. Amen? You know what you have to do? Surrender. Because a free gift is not... How about you give it to me tomorrow? I have more plans today. No, the free gift is thank you. And the free gift results in righteousness which will reign in life. The gift is not like the one which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Justification. The Greek word there is the same word, the same root as righteous. As we've said before, you can't say righteous, righteousfication or something like that. And so they use the word justify instead of righteousify, but it's the same thing, becoming a part of God's family. 
For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more, much more, those who receive abundance, I'm just thinking on my past right now, abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Yeshua HaMashiach. Father God in heaven, the one who knows the beginning from the end, the first from the last, the Aleph from the Tuf, the Aleph, the Alpha from the Omega. Father God in heaven, to whom time is merely a concept that you created. Father God in heaven, who knows every footstep we will ever take, every hair on our body, every word we will ever say, every misstep we will ever take. Thank you for the abundance of your grace. And not just the grace that saved us, but the grace that keeps us. Thank you for the one act of obedience by the second Adam, Yeshua, which gave us dominion again and promises us a future back in the garden with access to the tree of life again, with a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, with rivers of living water flowing from the throne. That's the life of grace that we have in you. Father, would you give a taste of it to us here on this earth in this time so that we will long for it when your son returns. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please, for the benediction? Again, if you're here for the first time today, nobody stands alone. May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, and give you peace. Yivarech Adonai v'yishmerecha, Yairadonai panave lecha v'chunecha, Yisadonai panave lecha v'yasem lecha shalom. The same lecha shalom. This is the way you shall be blessed. From day to day, he'll be your rest. This is the way you shall be blessed. From day to day, he is your rest. May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace 
and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace Baruch Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri Amen Blessed are you Lord our God King of the universe who creates the fruit of the vine Baruch Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Hamotzi lechem min haaretz. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Shabbat shalom in the name of our Messiah, Yeshua. Amen.